the goal honestly started as you build something that looks and feels authentically you. And whatever comes from that, it's for you. And whatever misses you, you never needed to be there in the first place. Hi, I'm Caitlin Peterson, the Editor-in-Chief of Business of Home. Welcome to Trade Tales. In every episode, I'll be talking to interior designers about nurturing creativity, finding their firm's financial footing, setting goals, and discovering their own version of success as a result. My guest today is a designer who has committed herself to showing up authentically at all costs, an approach that has quickly helped her attract team members, tradespeople, and clients who share her ideals. Most recently, it's also pushed her to publicly reveal a secret about her business journey. I can't wait to share it with you. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Universal Furniture. At High Point Market this fall, Universal has another incredible lineup of designer-focused speakers, panels, and seminars. Don't miss your chance to hear from top industry leaders like Melissa Galt, Gail Doby, Lori Miller, Erica Soret, and Jessica Deuce. Space is limited, so be sure to save your seat now at universalfurniture.com slash market events. Plus, visit the Universal Showroom at 101 South Hamilton Street from October 20th to 26th to see the entire Aaron V by Universal collection, as well as the brand's latest line, Nostalgia. Being an only child, I had a lot of freedom in terms of how I wanted my bedroom to look. The introduction of like, this is your space and it should be what you want it to be, what feels good for you. That I think comes from my mom. She was always like moving things around to get just a different feel. Our living room was like Pepto-Bismol pink. The carpet was pink. She was probably a vibe back in the day, but like I look back at the pictures and I'm like, what was happening here? That's Ashley Ross. Though she had an eye for design, she followed other interests when picking a profession. And after attending college and earning her master's degree, she became a licensed fundraiser, then headed back to her hometown of Atlantic City to begin her career. I think I was exposed to a lot of professions just from my mom's profession. She was a director um, of our local Boys and Girls Club. My first job was in that same Boys and Girls Club. And strangely enough, the same board members that watched me grow up in that Boys and Girls Club were some of the same people. And so when I came back from New Jersey and from Atlantic City, a place where people rarely get out of, they were very proud. It was very like small time hero-ish. And so um, I had a a lot of autonomy and I I grew up in the ranks and raised a ton of money. And then I really just had to remind myself that it was never my intention to, you know, stay home. And I didn't want to be a big fish in a small pond. Ashley relocated to Charlotte, North Carolina, and landed a job as an executive director for the local chapter of a national nonprofit. Despite her success, she found herself yearning for more freedom from her career. So I was the executive director. Justin and I started a family while I was in that role. And I immediately knew, like, I got to figure out how to build something that's going to allow me to to live and to love on my own terms. And then we bought our first home, which is, was, will always be very special to us. So both of us were raised by single moms, both renters. And so this was like generational It was in our home where I realized if I get really intentional about a space, that then becomes the space that 
the two of us gravitate to until I get intentional about another space. Well, there's something really powerful about having a space that feels good, that makes you well, that makes you whole when you get home, especially in Black America. We spend so much time outside kind of shedding pieces of ourselves to show up as professionals. And so when Justin and I would get home, I would want us to feel like this home is making us whole again. And so I I knew in 2018, like I had to figure something out. Ashley left that director role for a more flexible job that would support her as she began building out her design business. But on social media, she told a slightly different story. In this conversation, Ashley shares why she kept her day job out of the public eye as her firm found its bearings, how hiring a business coach has served as a key source of accountability, and why she's carving out space for underrepresented groups in interior design. You announced recently on Instagram Mm -hmm. that you had stepped away from that corporate career that you've had. Um, And meanwhile, I think a lot of people who have been following your design journey had no idea (laughs) (laughs) that you had this, I'm going to, you know, put in quotes, real job that you weren't telling any of us about. Tell me about that. (laughs) I realized a long time ago that for someone to say, oh, this is a renaissance woman, this is not a compliment. People rarely use that as a compliment, right? And then (laughs) entrepreneurship just got cool. So people are like, you know, have a real job, go to college, stay on this traditional track and all that jazz, right? And not until I would say in the last maybe seven years has entrepreneurship become an acceptable form of like, hey, that person's not unemployed. And so I wanted to be taken serious. In my opinion, I thought if someone is going to take me serious, then I need to appear as though this is my one and only focus. And so I think a lot of self-help and business books talk about like the only thing, like focusing on one thing. And so I thought if I'm going to be serious about this business, it needs to appear that I'm focused on this one thing, even though I know I can juggle for a while. Right. And so- I thought it would be more appropriate to stay in that lane. And so I did. And the bigger part of it goes back to the life-changing moment of me becoming a mom is because time meant something completely different to me at that point. Yeah. And so I don't think, you know, growing up as kids, as young adults, like time doesn't have the same gravity as it does after you bring a life into this world. It's like, whoa, this thing is real fragile. (laughs) <laughs> so let me figure out how to make the most out of it in the quickest amount of time as possible. So I didn't want to take the time for people to see this as something that I wasn't taking serious and then turn around and then have to build up like, okay, I'm here now full time. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Smoke and mirrors. But the journey for me to go from point A to point B started, um, had Naomi in 2018 Um, I knew I needed to build something. So I started in the role that I didn't have responsibilities with as an area director, uh, April of 2019. So a year, a year later. So you went looking for that job and that role knowing I'm going to take this job and I'm going to build a thing at the same time. Yeah. But by January of 2019, I think, I think January was my last month as, um, an executive director. And so I, um, had put in my notice, gave them a lot of time to kind of find somebody. 
they were slow rolling it. I was like, listen, January is it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's new year, new me. I don't, we yeah. got to separate ourselves. And so I enrolled in an online design class. Cause again, I wanted to be taken serious. That was the most important thing for me at the time. And so um enrolled into a design course um, and it's self-paced. And so I got to the point where I was like hammering out all of the things. And I thought two things. I was like, wow, this content is really dated. I hope the information is still up to date. And then, <laughs> and then the second thing was we got a homework assignment that was asking us to practice designing one room for a friend. And they gave us like the materials for us to sketch it out and use everything that we had learned prior to getting to this point. And so... One, I was nervous about telling friends that this was something that I was trying to do. I was very hush-hush about this at this point. And then once I found someone, like I was Naomi's godparents, I was like, hey, can I come in? They live in D.C. I was like, I want to design a space for you guys. You don't have to go through with the design, but I just need to practice. So they were like, yeah, come on, let's do it. So I started on it, and the assignment kept saying, perform this task as if this is a real client of yours. And I was like, okay, flipping through the pages, where's the script? <laughs> like, what do I say to these people? And like, where's the process of the business part of it? And it was never, right. it wasn't there. I think that was my first inkling of like, I'm probably not going to finish this program. It's not the toolkit you needed. It's not. I, I was like, there, there's so many gaps. And so that was in January of 2019, February um, I started, all, I was applying, like trying to find that job that would allow me to, you know, fund and build Muse New War. And so I was like, oh, maybe that job is not in the field that I know. Maybe the job is in design. And so let me start applying for design jobs. So I applied for a handful. I had spoken to then my husband's supervisor because she's really connected. And she was like, oh, I have a design friend that's a client. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I reached out to her and she declined. And I was like, I thought she was excited to talk to me. What's happening here? And I was like, okay, this doesn't feel good. Like, I'm okay. I'm from New Jersey. Like, we're pretty tough. I'm okay <laughs> with um, uh, rejection. Yeah. But for whatever reason, her declining the, in the way that she did, I was like, this doesn't feel good. Forget the school forget the internship. I'm going to start my own business right now. But I was still afraid to say out loud to the world that I wanted to get into interior design. So I said, let me figure out again with someone who's local, um, how the design process is actually going to work before I say this out loud to see if this is right. something I want to do. And so I asked a friend of mine who has a clinical practice, could I design her new office space? the initial scope of the project was for me to do all three of the offices, the reception, the conference room, and like a kid, a, a room for kids. So we finished one room and I was like completely exhausted. I was like, Oh, no one should ever do this for free. This isn't, this is a lot of work. <laughs> this is, a, this yeah. is a lot of work. I got to get her on board with a budget. I got to, it, it's just too much work. And so I completed the conference room for her. We redid the scope and then I completed like the bathroom design. And then um, I kind of just went about my way. And that was in, uh, oh, that was June. That was June of 2019. 
So it took like some months, right? Yeah. So September, we went on this momscape um, in the south of France. At the time, I had a nine to five. I was working. And then the two other moms that that I escaped America with, <laughs> away from our small children, uh, were both longtime entrepreneurs. One was the friend that allowed me to do her office. The other um, has her own law practice. And we were talking about um, just like some of their struggles as an entrepreneur. So I was getting kind of scared, but I was like, let's lean into this fear, figure it out. Long story short, um, I get invited to this like invite only group here on the lake in Lake Norman. And the woman who declined me, I saw her name on the invite list. And I said, oh, tonight's the night. Tonight is the night I introduced myself as an interior designer. And literally the host I told first, um, complete, you know, practically a complete stranger. And this, I think it was my second time meeting her. And that following month, this, this meetup was in September of 2019, that following month, she emailed me. She said, hey, I got a neighbor. She wants some work done. Can I send her your way? I said, absolutely. And I had that um, first consultation. Uh, we call it a project kickoff now. But we had that first consultation with her November 2019. And literally three days before is when I registered the business, got insurance, <laughs> yeah. got terrified, had a conversation with my husband, binged watch HGTV, hoping they would tell me what to say to these people when I got in there <laughs> and then got over my fear. And it, it's been, it's been up since then, I'll say. <laughs> you know, after that first job, after the next job, how did you start to refine your processes or how did you start to figure out what the script was for you? Oh, I will go and find the information. By this time, I had completely like washed my hands with the interior design program that I had enrolled in and paid money for. And so I started to find other resources. Um, the biggest one were podcasts. Um, and so I told myself, like, listen, let's make this promise. One, you're going to be obsessed with these goals. Two, don't ever forget that you're worthy of the best possible outcome of these goals. Um, and three, like, do not try to do all this stuff yourself. Um, <laughs> those were like, the t- those are the top three things where I, w- I wrote them down. I looked at them often. I had to figure out like, you know, I know you cannot be the painter. Do you want to paint? Yeah, it's cute when it's like a little wall, you know, a piece of paper, but then you're trying to sit out here trying to save your clients some money and, and be the painter. Now the project looks like crap. <laughs> right. And so I was like, don't try to do this stuff yourself. You also, I mean, you hired someone, didn't you, while you had a full-time job? Yeah. Talk to me about that. I needed to make the hire before only having music the war because that part of it terrified me was like okay i know i can afford them right now if music if something is slow financially on the music war side then i know i can cover them with my nine to five salary and let me make sure yep. it's going to be a good fit because it's hard it's hard to find good people like people will reach out to you for whatever reason but it's hard to find someone that you find worthy of like paying your actual hard earned money. And so it's really risky. And so I was like, let me get this risk out of the way. Let me get comfortable before I leave. Because if I don't, I'm going to try to do this stuff myself. 
And so before I actually hired somebody, I tried to create an intern program and it had to be like, you know, people who were in school who needed college credits. Um, I went through just like the process and reaching out to FAFSA or reaching out to the schools to kind of figure out, hey, what do I need to do to build something that's going to lend college credits? Like, how do I get on the list for kids to come in and, and figure it out? And it worked for a while. And then we got really busy and I didn't feel like I had enough time to be as valuable to them as they were being to me. So I had to stop the the internship program. And so, yeah, the hiring thing is, I think it's still, it's still pretty tricky. What is your, I mean, what does your team look like today though? So today we have two employees, Shakira, who started out as just my general assistant, because with the pandemic, my personal and business life were just so intertwined because Naomi had been at home with us for two years. And so um, she started out as our assistant. She's now a project manager because I kind of tried her out on um, reaching out to clients. I'm, I'm getting to a point where I really need to put a person between me and the everyday communication of clients. It's getting in the way of like my creativity. I want to remain like whole in the relationship that I have with clients and some are more needy than others. And we started to weed out the needy people. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think my next hire will be like a complete person that just does like client management. Yeah. And so the other person, Carla, she started out as a, as a client specialist and she actually has a full-time job in construction, um, like the logistics of everything. So right now she handles all of like the trade, the purchasing, the account management for basically the trade side of it as like a design assistant. The actual first person that I brought on just paid per installation was a, a install manager because installs okay. stressed me out so bad. Um, and she recently just had to take a, a break. Um, I've been asked, like, will I replace her? But I think that they've gotten easier as I've been able to divvy out the tasks to both the other two, you know, people who are on a team. As you were managing a full-time job, mm-hmm. trying to be a present mom, running a design business that looked like a full-time job. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> what were you looking for from the design firm to give you the confidence to kind of pack up and leave the corporate job? I don't know what I was looking for, but I found it after hiring a business coach in 2020. She has been my biggest return of investment like to date. I don't even think I would be talking to you if it wasn't for Janelle. How did that relationship come about and how did it change you? It changed me in a heightened sense of belief that all of this was possible in such a short amount of time. That's that's a really part, important part of that. People don't realize that I've had a nine to five and people don't realize how young Muse Noir is. Those are the two most common things where people are like, what? <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, we're a baby. Like this is a baby firm um, doing it on the side, working two full times. My kid has been home for the past two years and the relationship came about. She went to law school with a family friend of ours and they were saying, hey, you know, we see what you're building. Have you talked to Janelle? And I was like, no, I follow her. I think she's hilarious, but 
you know, I thought she only works with lawyers trying to get out of, you know, their corporate job and find their dream passion or whatever. I thought that's, I thought that was her lane. And they were like, no, she's transitioning into, you know, helping pretty much everybody leave their nine to five. And I was completely in denial. I was like, well, you know, I'm managing right now. Like I, I can juggle, like I'm doing a good job juggling. I'm working projects on the weekends. I'm upfront with not the world, but my clients, my clients know, <laughs> my clients yeah. know I have a nine to five. They know, you know, calling me during the days a hit or miss, but you know, catch me on the weekends. And then I had built up a contractor team, such a good relationship with, with that team that I didn't have to be on site, but I had built a process around me having a nine to five and I had partnered with people who would allow me to not be present for everything. And so I was completely in denial when they suggested her to me. And they were like, well, guess what? She's about to start charging for her discovery calls. So I think you should at least have a conversation with her before she starts charging. And I was like, <laughs> that sounds like an excellent idea. So that pushed me to talk to her. Um, it was a 40 mi- 45 minute call. In that call, she gave me so much information for free. And I was like, she sounds like the one. And so I talked to Justin about it and he was like, all right, let's, you know, let's see how it, how it works. I hired Janelle in July of 2020. And the first, the first role I think she played for me that was immediately visible was an accountability person. Because when you're a solo entrepreneur, like you either have the ambition 24 seven, which people don't, or you're just trying to be consistent. And so I was trying my darnness to be consistent, but at the same time, I really found it gratifying for me to have her breakdown, what the goal is for, for this month into four weeks. And these are the homework assignments for these weeks. And I would come to her giddy, like, all right, I've knocked this out. I've done the research on this, you know, what's next. And we go over it. We figure out what the strategy was. She helped me tighten up how I wanted to show up um, on Instagram. I wanted to be a designer for anybody who had the money. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you need to niche down. I fought her for maybe <laughs> a week. And then she said, okay, let me take you back to your initial goals. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> She's like, you said you want to do this, this, and this. You know who that sounds like? I said, who? She said, Joanna Gaines. I said, okay. She said, um, do you know Joanna Gaines' design style? I said, yeah, absolutely. She said, is it all over the place when you tune in? Is is it she doing glam one week and something else the next? And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> and so she made me narrow down my design aesthetic. Um, so the next thing after accountability was she helped me, you know, shaped how I showed up. And then she showed me how to run a successful Instagram account. And those two things happened really fast. And then we got to dig deeper on like what my purpose is for design, like what void am I filling here in this industry? And, you know, that came with a couple goals of like, oh, I would love to go to High Point and see if there is a list of High Point of like all of the Black artisans or, you know, a diverse set of artisans because the industry can seem, well, the industry is very white. And so 
she was like, oh, just ask them. I was like, ask High Point? Like, I don't think, you know, I, I, like, you know, I barely know what the thing is. Like, I keep reading online. I've asked a couple of seasoned designers and I don't even know what to do when you get there. Yeah. And so I asked the concierge and I was like, hey, is there a list, you know, that I can find? Because I really want to be intentional about the things that I put in my client's home. I want them to be able to see themselves in the art and design and furniture and decor. And the guy was like, great question. I don't know. Let me forward this message to, you know, the marketing department. And that's where, you know, the relationship came from that conversation that I had with High Point. And I'm really happy and thrilled to say for both myself and for them as just like an industry leader that like from that conversation, so many things have come out of it on like the way High Point shows up in the diversity, equity and inclusion scene. And it's one of like the relationships that kind of, I think, solidified me on my Instagram and for the business for people to be like, wait, we don't know who she is. But if she has this person on speed dial, if her calling card, aka her Instagram looks this good, like there has to be something there. And I think people tap in, you know, because of the relationships that I've been able to establish so quickly. And then also because everything just looks really good. And then I'm hilarious. So then they stay. (laughs) You said that you had to ask yourself what void am I filling in this industry? Mm -hmm. How did you answer that question? Honestly, a twist between the pandemic and what people refer to as the George Floyd summer Mm -hmm. and the first article that you guys asked me to contribute to. And I think the question was like, how has the pandemic changed you or something like that? And at that time, I was going through this like super radical growth period just as an individual. I was feeling very forcefully comfortable in showing up and building a firm for me to show up as my whole self. And so even though I was still getting up to go to my nine to five and I was like shedding parts of myself to to fit in into this cult and into this culture of not just the company, but the what's classified as professionalism in America. I thought to myself, in no way, shape, or form, however big Muse Noir gets, I don't want anyone to show up as half of themselves. I want to build something where my clients, the trade members that I work with. And the people that are hired to run this machine, that they feel whole at all times. That, you know, when the guys are on the site, nobody's asking them to speak English. That, you know, you want to play your music, you play your music. As long as it is, you know, professional, do you. And so the goal honestly started as you build something that looks and feels authentically you. And whatever comes from that, it's for you. And whatever misses you, you never needed to be there in the first place. How does that continue to drive you today? Oh my gosh. One, I think I think about the day Janelle asked me to figure out who I was talking to. Because one of the things that she was getting at was at the time, all my clients were 
middle age white families. And while I was like, okay with that, because I was just getting started, I was finding myself like, hey, I'm in this person's house well into the evening, or I'm doing their install over this, you know, three or four day weekend while they're out on vacation. Do I feel safe here? You know, to the point where we're making up bits and pieces of our process to say, hey, let your neighbors know. (laughs) Please let your neighbors know that, you know, you've hired an interior designer. If you need to say, hey, is the black interior designer, like, please let them know that we're here, right? Because again, we're in a time where things were getting really wild in the world publicly. And so when she said that to me and I had to figure out like, whose home do I actually want to be in? Right. And it's not to say that I don't want to go in these other places, but I just needed to show up as me so that regardless of who hired me, they knew who I was, my personality, you know, what I stand for. They knew that as they hire me. And so that I think has really kept me going because we have been able to attract some of the most aligned clients that I think almost anyone has because I I just don't see that for for all of my friends in this industry. They're just like kind of taking on projects as, you know, it's more about Oh, is the room, you know, do I want to do this project? Is the aesthetic? And it's like, no, for me, it's about the person. What does this person stand for? We've been attracting a ton of change makers in all facets. We've been attracting, you know, super tough, smart lawyers um, from Amazon to NBC to Netflix to just like people who at the end of this project could be like family to me. And we've had those conversations and I, I, that's what I'm most proud of. Like if you drop the list of my clients, like these are like, these are people, they're on the, they're up there. Uh-huh. And I think so many designers, specifically designers of color are so nervous that the money is not in our community or so nervous about saying, I want to be in homes of people from Latin descent, like, or I want to be in, like, just if that's what you want to do, if that's where you feel comfortable, do that. The money will come. Mark your calendars for Universal Furniture's exciting lineup of designer-focused events during High Point Market this fall. Topics range from designing for vacation rental properties to sensory design, frank conversations about salaries, and tips on rates and fees. Space is limited. So be sure to save your seat now at universalfurniture.com slash market events. Plus, visit the Universal Showroom at 101 South Hamilton Street to experience the Aaron V by Universal Collection in its entirety, as well as the brand's latest line, Nostalgia. Did you feel an instant shift the moment you started tailoring your messaging to the kind of work you wanted to do and to the clients you wanted to work with. Did you see those results right away? I did. I saw the results first in the community that I was building online. Okay. Like in the Instagram DMs. Yep. In the Instagram and the comments and people sharing and the people rallying behind. If I put out a post and I'm like, hey, my biggest goal right now is to build Muse Noir to be something where I can continue to show up authentically as me. And people were like, oh my God, I want that. Yeah. That started first. And I think that pushed me to, let's say that first paid project we did 
the second project that came about was a um, young entrepreneur who was opening her first nail salon. And we didn't do any construction or anything. Gratefully, it was like in a residential area that was turning like the historic homes into little businesses. And then I didn't have, I didn't charge enough for photography. I knew I was going to have the first home photographed, but I didn't charge enough for the nail salon because I just really wanted to do it. Yeah. And um, so I shot the photo, I shot the, um, the final result with my phone. I posted them the next day and maybe I put out the post at like six o'clock at eight 15. I was on the phone with the owner of that nail salon, boohoo crying, thanking her that she had hired me because I had three inquiries from black business owners saying, when can you start? And I was like, I've been talking to you guys. You guys have been talking back to me, but not until that point did the community start to to spend money with me. Not until I started to show up authentically as me, because there's a ton of, you know, black and Latin designers in the Charlotte community. So it's like, visually, there's no difference between the two of us or, you know, the, the bulk of us. But I was showing up and I was saying, hey, I'm here. This is who I want to be. And so people, you know, people responded to that. And from that, we did our biggest commercial project today. We did a, a yoga studio, event center, and a gym for um, a girl now who is one of my like closest friends. I just did this. We just finished this project maybe <laughs> like a year and a half ago or two yeah. years ago. We started it in the mix of the pandemic. I got to see every facet of her, of of being a business owner. And I learned that I learned something from every single client, especially the, the commercial projects. Her tenacity was unmatched. I was like, I don't know how she's managing. Her business is shut down because of COVID. She's not bringing enough money. Like I had to find a way to, to increase compassion for someone who is really just supposed to be a business transaction. But because I'm being authentically me and in my authentic nature, I want to see people win. I stuck beside her. I said, you know, we'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, we, I don't know if I can get my guys in here. It says, you know, people are supposed to be at home and I don't want to risk them getting in trouble. We didn't know what it looked like. And so, I mean, we just went on our first vacation together and it <laughs> literally, and I, I, we joke about it now. She's been my biggest referral source because people come in her gym and they're like, who did this? Um, and this isn't like a little thing. Like, this is a, a big space here. And we would not have been able to do any of those if it wasn't for that first paying client. And that's how it started before we were able to build our own, you know, our own team. Kind of going back to that original question of like, kind of like fooling everybody. But, you know, you said something earlier about how, you know, you, you made it look so good mm -hmm. from the beginning. And I feel like there will be a lot of people listening to this who want this same career journey that you've built. Mm hmm who are going to be asking themselves, okay, but how did she make it look so good? Yeah. What did you have to do or what choices did you have to make to showcase your work in the best possible light, you know, to potential clients mm -hmm. on Instagram, everywhere you went? One of the things was I got intentional with how I wanted to show up. So on any given day, I'm not scattering for what the caption is supposed to be, right? I know what the message is. 
And then the investment into a good, a good, probably great business coach is priceless. And so investing in the person that's going to get you to the next level, you don't know it all. You need to acknowledge that and and figure out who that person is going to be. But then at some point, you also got to understand that that person is going to take you as far as they can and you'll need someone else in the interim. And so like, that's not the, you know, end all to be all, but when you get connected to these people who are going to help you get to that level, I think it's really important that you listen to them and you have discernment. I think there's only been one time where I thought, you know, I don't think that's the right thing to do. And I voiced that to her. We talked through it. She said, you go and try it. She was right, but it didn't feel right to me. Know, but then in making it look good, we knew what the message was. She taught me strategy in terms of posting to Instagram. And at the time, she was basically saying, like, the image is there to bring people in for them to figure out, hey, do I want to tap on this? The message, the caption, and the image don't have to have anything to do with each other. And so me learning that and having to detach like, oh, here's this pink rum. What am I going to say? Like you're forcing yourself to say something about color theory, right? And it's like, right. that's not what you're talking about. Like talk about like continue on the path of this is the mission in the words that you say. But that image has to be good enough to make people stop. And so that was one of the first things that she made me stop doing was like, no, you post what you do and what you do only yeah, and let people see the process. And so for me, that meant again, and back going back to, you know, how do we make it pretty is that I needed to charge enough to afford a good photographer. And then I needed to be a good photographer in the interim where it's like, okay, I'm on site with the guys I have learned, like, I can't ask them for a progress photo. It's going to be tilted. It's going to be crazy right, looking. Right. <laughs> and so, like, even if I'm popping up, when I'm popping up to check on the progress of everything, I now have to, like, video. And, you know, people want to see the messy stuff in, in between. And everybody loves a good, like, makeover story or before and after. And so that's I started capturing those things. And that's how... Honestly, it got pretty is like making that investment into photography. But, oh, are you charging enough to hire a photographer? Because a real estate photographer and an interior photographer are two different people. Right. And the interior photographer is way more expensive. Way more expensive. (laughs) Way more expensive. I mean, and then having to invest in like getting professional shots done of yourself. And um, I mean, that was nerve wracking. I had never before Muse Noir done a professional photo shoot. And the first person, the photographer that I reached out to when she sent me her prices, I was like, Are you doing my makeup too? Yeah, is, is, there, makeup? Yeah. is it a meal? Is there a car service? Like, <laughs> what is this price? And I had to tell myself, like, the same way Janelle costs a lot of money, like the same way this business coach costs, you know, that's an investment. This is an investment as well. And so I couldn't afford her. But so I was like, I put out, you know, on this post for this community that I just recently started to cultivate and steward. And so I'm like, okay, hey, I'm looking for a photographer. And so, you know, people sent people over. 
Um, I went with this one girl who had, who was a lot more flexible. I was like, listen, my business coach is telling me that I can't really be constrained to like, you only get two outfits and it's for an hour and we got to stay here. I was like, I need like a pile of photos to, to choose yeah. from, you know, they can, you can do however many edited and then non-edited, whatever the case may be, but I need to be able to change my clothes. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we agreed on those terms and if I am in North Carolina, she's the person who shoots me to date. And, um, crazily enough, we just had this past January, our first like company retreat <laughs> and, um, the photographer that I'd initially reached out to that I really wanted to work with that I couldn't afford, I hired her to shoot myself and the team. And I told her, I was like, look at this email. Like I reached out to you back in 2019. I could not afford you. And this full circus <laughs> moment is like really important to me. And um, she was sweet about it. You know, you talked about the business coach that was maybe a stretch to afford at the beginning, the photographer mm-hmm. you couldn't afford. Did that change the way you thought about how people should be investing in you and your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I thought to myself, I was like, okay, if she is, and at the time we were just designing like single rooms, like people who are hiring us for single rooms. We hadn't had any like full home projects at the time. The most we had was the four rooms from the very first project and then yeah. the gym. And so I was like, okay, I I've done that project. It was four rooms. I expected for it to maybe take an hour and a half. We were there for like six hours. I think the first fee for photography was something around like twelve or fourteen hundred dollars. And so I'm like, okay, this is insane. However, if it's gonna cost this much, it needs to be pristine. And what I didn't realize at the time is like she will pause for me to move stuff around. And because she's an interior photographer, at the time she had like an assistant like who styled things. So I was like, okay, this is helpful. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know. And so moving forward, I kept coming back to the drawing board on figuring out like, how do I charge? And I remember listening to one, ep- one podcast episode where the lady was talking about she charges per square foot. And I was like, that seems like a lot, but let me try it out. You know, like, let me figure it out. The point is, I've had this journey of all of these different ways to charge. The most successful way has still been to do flat rates, you know? And so for us, we tried the the square footage. It bit us in the butt quickly and I'm glad that it was quick and it was a small space. <laughs> and I was like, okay, um, that's not, not that. <laughs> but, but not that's not going to work for me at all. And so, but to answer your question, your initial question is it every step of the way of me figuring out how we would charge, I was like, is this cost being covered? Is this, and I remember talking to um, a young designer like myself and I was, he was like, how are you affording these photography fees? Because like, I'm using a real estate guy because it's just cheaper. And I was like, well, you're not charging enough. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, the charge for photography, like I'm splitting that with the paint, with the client's design fees in this flat rate fee. However, like the other half is like what we've budgeted to market because essentially the photo is your bread and butter. But then the majority of that, I think we were at like at the at the time of the conversation, 60% of, you know, what I think it's going to take to shoot this is coming out of the design fee. And so... 
absolutely the prices of everything. I just said, like, I'll do a quarterly shoot. Um, and I know if I shoot with the same photographer, the quarterly shoot's going to be this much. I already know how much our monthly expenses are. Build that in. We've only had to raise our prices one time. I'm really proud of that. I don't have any intentions on raising anything year after year. Um, there's a firm here in Charlotte who I pretty much price matched myself with because um, her prices were visible, which ours are too. And I, at the time I was like, okay, I'm going to be at the very similar price points as her. And then I heard her on a podcast talk about how she had her first million dollar year. And I was like, I didn't. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> so I was trying to figure out like, well, how she did that. So we did a price increase um, that wasn't a, you know, wasn't a ton of money. It made sense. But then I found out how she was making the millie. And I was like, I'll get there. Um, mm-hmm. And so what was the difference or what were you, what revenue were you missing on? Um, so a part of, because we're tapping into a community who is, is hiring an interior design firm for the very first time. That's pretty much 95% of our, our clients are hiring designers for the first time. This is a new luxury for them. So a part of my self, like my pitch, not this year, but in January, I stopped. But a part of our pitch was like, we will extend a good amount of our design, dis- like our trade discount to you so that the project looks good so that, you know, we can stretch your budget. And we did that for two years. And so I had not, you know, and I have a good relationship with that designer now. And I told her that, and oh my, I could hear her cringe through. <laughs> I was, she was like, you did what? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also have a nine to five. Like I, it's not about the money right now. I just heard myself saying a bunch of excuses. Like it's not okay. And so I, you know, I made a promise to myself. I promised her she set me up with a way for me to get things a lot cheaper so that I would feel comfortable with, you know, charging procurement fee. So it's it's something that I've had to wrap my head around because I'm like, everybody loves a discount. But yeah, that's one, the one, I think that's like the biggest mindset shift that I currently need to like get on board with fully. I'm like halfway there. What does halfway there mean? Just you're doing it, but you're not excited about it yet? Or... You're half doing it. It means I'm half doing it. So if there's someone who I really want to work with and I feel like they're being upfront and honest about like, hey, this is what the budget is. I am at the point where I'm like assessing if I want to take this project. Is the client a good fit? Okay, cool. They are. Let's do it for that point, right? Is this going to be a project that makes the business flush? Um, Like, is it, are we going, is it a money grab or is it something that in collaboration with this client, we're going to produce something really amazing? Is it going to be about the photos? Like where, basically, where can I make the money? Am I going to make the money up front on the design fees and off of the procurement fees? Or am I going to make the money on the back end by dropping these photos and then having to start a wait list of clients. Like where, where is it going to come from? So that's, that's halfway for me. When you look back, what is the one thing you know now that you wish you had known when you launched the business? Uh, at one point we were taking on too many clients at the same time and we could have hired someone sooner. I think 
I mean, we were serious about this for, we've been serious about our process for a long time, but I think how often we evaluate that process, like not even just after each project, but more so like in the middle of the project and not being afraid to reset like boundaries or something with the clients. I think that's one of our our biggest things. It's just like, okay, I went into this thinking, I know I can't do it by myself. I made a promise to not do this stuff by myself. So I hired a business coach. You know, we hired a bookkeeper in the beginning. We just transitioned into a full-blown accountant. And so I think those are the things that I thought was important. Like somebody else needs to manage the money and then someone needs to be in my corner managing me. But (laughs) in terms of, in terms of the other pieces that include like, process or automation like you got I think you have to like keep going and digging to find the resources to better assist you as a business owner as you scale and I think so many times people are thinking like scaling just means I get to hire a shit ton of people and it's like no it's not that because when they get there they need a handbook when they get there <laughs> you know they need you know they need these yeah. things in, in, they in need tools. Yeah, they need tools. And in 2022, like there's an app for everything. So I think continuously trying to find just plugins for where whatever void might come up is, is one of those technical things. When I was coming into this conversation, knowing you've made this career transition, I honestly just kind of assumed that you moved all of that work into your nine to five. And it's really interesting and inspiring to me that you've decided to fill that nine to five differently. I mean, it's still, there's still a lot of the work where it's is now happening in the nine to five. I think personally, one of the things that I did not mention was that like now I have cut off time, like me leaving my nine to five means at this hour, it's me, my family, like, cause that's what I built it for. Right. It's, it's no right. more, you know, I'm working, working, working. They only put Naomi down for a nap. I'm working, working, working. She's up. I'm multitasking her. It's not that anymore. Like now I have afforded the opportunity to say business is closed. Yes, it might be three o'clock. The reception that we pay for will pick up the phone. Someone will pick up the phone. It doesn't have to be me. And so, you know, we, we use the office at this point for outside meetings when people want to come and do like showroom visits, but they don't have a showroom here. It's helpful for us to have an office. Our mail and stuff goes there. My personal home address is not online. Like it's helpful for that, but we don't, yeah. need, we don't need to be there. And if we need it, we it's it's there for us, but you know, we don't, we don't need to be there, but it, it has helped us in ways, more ways than one where people Google us and they're like, wait, you're the firm that's in Uptown Charlotte and it's a black firm, like, oh, I want to work with you <laughs> or I want to, you know, we've gotten jobs that way. Yeah. And so I'm really, really proud. I think people rarely say how proud they are of the things that they do, but like, I'm really proud of what I've been able to co- accomplish with this nine to five. Um, I'm really proud to say like, it's never been a hobby and that's been big for me. Like it's been important since we started, we've been able to scale um, financially every year, um, it's been significant growth. And so I'm really excited and just going into, not even these last couple of months in 2022, but 2023 will be my first year where 
literally the sky is the limit. And it sounds cliche, but it's like, however big Muse Noir gets, I know who I want to be in this world and that it will be attached to Muse Noir in some way, shape, or form. But I also want to stay, like, I think people leave their job and they're like, well, I want to do, or just start a business and they're like, I really want to do the creative stuff. I want to hire somebody for the business. I want to stay tapped into the business because seeing those numbers really excite me. Like, whoa, <laughs> you, built, you built that? And I think that's yeah. why I get, you know, like you get into a deep conversation with me about the work that Janelle and I have done. Like, I'll start crying. Like, you know, I I, I knew I've, I've always made money. I've always had a, a good job. But I didn't know I could make over $100,000 from just something that I've built. I didn't see that. And so the, to do that with a nine to five, for me, I'm like, oh, well now I don't have it. Oh, it's, it, we're about to go crazy now. <laughs> like, what do, you, uh-huh. what do you mean? And I think we, we, you know, we walked into 2021 being our first year over a hundred thousand dollars in, in revenue. And it was like, you know, I think I cried for a week. I was like, what, uh-huh. like, what is going on here? And it seems like, you know, for these firms who have grown like third generation in the design firm, that seems like, you know, oh, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But like, this isn't something that like the path has not been laid for me. So like, I, I did this, right. Like this, this is something, this is big for us. So I'm excited to, to see the journey. I'm excited to create the journey. Um, my hope for um, designers, whoever you are, wherever you are, honestly, is for them to skip the part where they don't fully believe in the thing. Because I wasted a lot of time not fully believing and not being completely obsessed with the goal and not thinking I was worthy of you know the best possible outcome and I'm watching it every day I get up and watch it. I'm going like, okay, we did the, you know, these are our numbers in 2021. Mm -hmm. And then in 2022, in our first month of this year, we made half of what we made last year combined. And so I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, there's no limitations to something that you build. You, you're in charge of that. And I, I hope people, you know, hear this and know that and understand that and see something in themselves that they see or hear in this podcast or wherever they need to get it from. I hope that they get it and they get it soon and they run away with it. What does success mean to you? I think success for me looks like our clients complete a project with us and they feel really good, not just about the finished product, but about the relationship. And then on the personal side, I know for sure success is getting up and having the autonomy to say, we're going here for a month or we are, you know, I don't have to spend time working if I want to, you know, if my kid wants to play, we play. What you are building is extraordinary. Thank you. And I feel so lucky to talk about it with you here. So thank you. Thank you for having me. This is great. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, if you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news or great podcasts, check out new products or browse job openings, head on over to businessofhome.com. 
If you have a note for the show or a story of your own to share, I'd love to hear from you. And you can email me at tradetales at businessofhome.com. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others discover the show. Trade Tales is produced by me, Caitlin Peterson, and Fred Nikolaus. This episode was edited by Caroline Burke and Michael Castaneda. Our theme music is by Kyle Scott Wilson. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in two weeks.